0: There's a famous commercial right now, and maybe you've seen it with Jennifer Garner, and the question they ask is, what's in your wallet? And you know why? It's because it's so indicative of of who we are. You know, men have wallets, and in order to house our wallets, women have purses, because there's a big difference between us. Men tend to carry maybe one or two credit cards, maybe their AAA card, proof of medical insurance, maybe cash, not if you're Brian. There's no cash in that wallet, I know. I check often. Maybe a few pertinent business cards. You know, I was going through Brian's wallet recently, and he had so many cards. It, it was filled with all these cards. I said, Brian, do you know half these people? He goes, No, but they were kind enough to give me their card. <laughs> and some people carry only their own business cards in their wallet. That's indicative. Maybe a picture or two, usually outdated. My dad kept my six year old, my first grade school picture in his wallet till I begged him to take it out when I was 45. Can can we change it, Dad? Could could we change it? So that's a man. But but a woman, oh my goodness, we have we have what we like to call a purse. Men sometimes like to call it a suitcase. We like to take it everywhere we go. It's a haven of storage. We not only have money, but we have change in case we need that extra penny to give the exact change. In fact, my mother used to say, Cheryl, you know you're old when you give exact change. (laughs) I'm old. Not only do I have credit cards in my wallet, but I have the in-case credit cards, right? In case, just in case. I don't know why. In case these ones get stolen and the thieves leave the other ones, I am set. I have medical insurance proof and my car insurance proof. I also have receipts from just about everything I have purchased in the last year. I also have bank notes, the receipts from the checks I deposited, and I have checks to be deposited, which sometimes I found in Brian's wallet. I have, of course, my cell phone. Men have that in a pocket. We carry it in our purse just so we can't find it when it's ringing. We have keys. And then we have our in case keys. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have my house key, and then I have my hidden house key. Just in case I can't find the first house key, I know where the hidden house key is. Hopefully, the thief won't know where either of those are. We have nail files, tool sets, usually small, flashlight, although most of us have that feature on our phone, it's always nice to have that extra one just in case Your phone is dead, in which case we usually have an Archer or a charger, which weighs like 30 pounds, just in our purse, just in case. And we have extra chargers for our phone. Why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because usually there's a man who doesn't have these supplies, and we are ready for them. We also have sewing kits, and we have a mask and extra masks for others who have forgotten their masks, and usually we keep these in baggies. My mom used to keep an extra supply of plastic bags in her purse just in case they didn't have takeaway containers at our restaurant that we went to. (laughs) We have Tylenol or Advil, depending on what agrees with your stomach. We have vitamins, breath mints, oh, definitely breath mints. And we even have snacks, just in case we have a low blood sugar attack or you have a low blood sugar attack. We have some stray pictures, though the phone carries almost all our cherished photos, videos, family, and dogs. We have a Bible, if you're me, a notebook, and more than one pen, why, just in case Brian uses my pen and forgets to return it. But greater than your wallet, greater than your purse, there's a repository that you carry with you, wherever you go, that is more indicative of who you are and what you treasure than your purse or your wallet. And that repository is our heart. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Have you ever had your mouth betray your heart? I'm just fine. It was, I'm just fine. I'm okay with them even though they were acting so stupid. I'm just fine even though they were idiots. I love them and I'm just fine. Oh, how our mouth betrays us. It betrays us in the adjectives we use. Stupid, dumb, ugly, mean. It betrays us in the subjects that we obsessively talk about. I'm fine with this situation, but have I told you about what she said last Thursday? Because once I tell you, then I'll be over it. Not. The inflections in our voice when we speak. I was talking about somebody I'd just gotten an Apple Watch. Uh, Brian had given it to me for Christmas. And because I always lose my phone, it's got that wonderful phone tracker, just in case. Also tells me where I parked my car. These are really good features. <laughs> but I had my watch on, and I got to talking about somebody. You might remember this, Kathy. And all of a sudden, it goes, Because my blood pressure was shooting up, and my heart rate. And one of my friends turned to me and said, I Don't think, I think it was you, Ellie. I don't think you better talk about this. I think we need to pray for you right now. In that case, it was not only my heart that was betraying, my mouth that was betraying my heart, but it was also my watch that was saying, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, you have a problem with this person. You have an issue here. It also is reflected in the songs we sing. Do we like the songs in the minor keys, you know, happy birthday to you, you know, or do we like the happy songs? Do, do we sing songs about the woman that left us or the man that did us wrong or about the dog that died? Or do we sing happy songs about Jesus and all he's done? No wonder Solomon warned his son keep your heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. The heart is the treasury of our soul. It's where we store our most prized memories and our most prized people. It's It's where we store what is most important to us. In Matthew 13 verse 52, Jesus said that everyone who becomes his disciple or disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom new gems of truth as well as old. So our heart is this huge storage area that we are always depositing into. And that storehouse of whatever is in our heart will be expressed by our mouth. As a collection of what is important to me, it can be even an art collection. I I think about how some people um, are collectors. There are people that collect, you know, art pieces. There are people who collect teapots. My mother collected lambs and bells. I just got like a box of things that bells, not bills, bells. I just got a box from my mom and it's filled with all these bells. You know, I mean, like, what am I going to do with all these bells? I mean, they're from my mom. So I can't get rid of them. So now I guess I'm gonna be the ding-ling. I just have all these <laughs> bells. But you know, somebody said to me, you know, what do you what do you collect, Charles? And I out of my prideful heart, I said, I don't collect anything. And somebody looked at me and said, books. And I'm like, guilty as charged, but Brian's worse. <laughs> We collect books. That's what's important to Brian. When we were leaving England, I said, can you bring the bedroom furniture? Because my father and I picked out my bedroom furniture together. And my bedroom furniture has gashes and bite marks, all done by my children. Also special to me. Devalue it the furniture to anybody else, but to me it's precious. I said, Brian, can you bring back the furniture? He said, No, I can't. It's too expensive. But all my books are coming back. Well, I prayed. I prayed. And the people who were supposed to move all his books didn't show up. So he called another mover, and their price was half of the first one. So I said, well, what would happen if we threw in the bedroom furniture? It was still less than the first estimate. And he called me up, and he said, wifey, of all God's children, you are the most spoiled. Your furniture is coming back. But what do we treasure? Some people, believe it or not, in their heart is a collection of ashes. Places where they've been burned. And in the minute they open, they'll tell you about every person that's hurt them, everything that's gone wrong in their life. Some people, it's all bitterness that's collected. Other, it's liens on people or property. Like, they owe me, and this person owes me, and that person owes me. And it's all these liens on people and people's happiness and people's rights because of what you're owed, because of what those people did. So in reality, the real question is not what's in your wallet, But what's in your heart? And that's what brings us to Mary. Because twice, the Gospel writer Luke tells us about the treasury of Mary's heart. It tells us about the storeroom what she treasured, what she brought into her heart. In Luke 2.19, it tells us, but Mary treasured up all these things in her heart and pondered them. Here is the Greek word, "centero," which means to preserve, um, to protect so as not to lose them. Like, this is something like, I don't want to ever lose this. I want to keep this forever and ever. It means to prioritize or to implant. Have you ever had one of those incredible moments where there was no camera around? And you said, I want to capture this moment forever and ever and ever. We were at the White Cliffs of Dover. Um, in England, Ryan and I were living there. My parents had come over to visit. And my mom and dad wanted to go there because they had lived through World War II. And there had been all these songs that used to play on the radio, and that was where my mom wanted to go. And my mom had dementia, and so she would be with us, and then she wouldn't be with us. And I remember we were walking through the White Cliffs of Dover, which had been a military installation during the war, And now it's um, set up just like it was during the war, even with their old typewriters and encryption room, and you can walk through it. And as you walk through it in these bunkers, they're playing all this World War II music. And my mom and dad were holding hands and singing all the songs out loud, which you don't do in England at all. (laughs) But there they were speaking when the White dove flies over the cliffs of Dover. It will all be over. And you weren't allowed to take pictures. And I began to cry and said, Jesus, don't let me ever, ever forget this moment. Let it go into the treasury of my heart, please. Maybe it's a a beautiful walk a waterfall, you know, pictures don't catch the thunder of the water, do they? They, they don't catch the smell of, of, of the greenery. They, they just don't bring back those evocative of memories. But our heart does, doesn't it? Our heart remembers the smell and the sound. And not only the look, but the atmosphere, Our heart remembers. It is a mental snapshot that no camera can ever capture. And it affects every sense, our olfactory nerves, our auditory nerves, our heart. It's a body reaction. So this is what Mary did before cameras were ever invented, when she had no access to paints and canvases, she put it in her heart. In Luke 2.51, again, we're told that Mary treasured these things. But this is a different Greek word, and it's diatero, and it means to continuously bring to mind to pull out of the storehouse and to contemplate. It's like something that you love so much, that holds so much memories, you have it displayed at your house. It, we call them conversation pieces, that people come in and go, now, now what, what's this about? You're like, I'm so glad you asked. There's a story. And you love to tell that story. Now I've got all these bells that I can tell stories about. But both of these Greek words speak of a memory that is given such priority that it is pondered again and again and valued and treasured. So when did Mary begin this treasury? When did it start? I think it probably started when she was very young because she said to the angel, behold the maidservant or that." Handmaiden of the Lord. And we see that she has such a rich biblical knowledge. Today I was reading in Psalm 148 and I was like, oh my goodness, this is where Mary quoted. She had such a rich knowledge of the Lord. I think it might have started when she was young, but it definitely, definitely received lots of treasures at what we call the Annunciation in Luke chapter 1, where the angel comes to her and says, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. And we're told that immediately Mary took that greeting and put it in her heart and began to think about it. She pondered it. See, pondering is more than like, oh, that was nice. Does God have anything else? say that's nice? Now this is pondering like, oh, ooh, I need to think about this one. I, I, want it. I want to really commit this one to my thoughts and give it attention. What does it mean that this angel will call me favored or graced one, recognized by the Lord and the presence of the Lord with me? Next, the angel told her, do not be afraid. Do you notice that there is not one time in the Bible where an angel comes on the scene and omits this phrase? Every angel has to start out with, don't be afraid. I know my clothes are dazzling. I know I carry the glory of the Lord. I know I'm pretty powerful, one time I took out 185,000 men in a night, but don't be afraid. <laughs> don't be afraid. Yeah, you know, there's a reason they say don't be afraid, and it's because they look scary. Years ago, you heard my brother Chuck last week speak. Years ago, um, my mom and dad left me in his care. Um, I mean, years ago, because I think I was six, same age as my dad's picture, my wallet in his wallet. But I remember this, that I said to him, I said, Chuck, I'm really scared. I'm really scared. And his bedroom was downstairs, and my bedroom was upstairs on the main floor. It was a strange house. My dad got it for a really good price. It had a room that you opened the door and it was all dirt. My mom said people were buried there. I think that was to keep me from going downstairs without permission. Strange house. And I was scared. I remembered those dead people in that dirt room. And I was getting scared. So I went downstairs and I said, Chuck, I'm scared. I'm really scared. And he said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. So he prays and he said, Lord, I pray that Cheryl would see your angel surrounding your bed and know that she is perfectly safe. And then he sent me up to bed. Well, I, being a very biblical child, began to ponder what he prayed. And I started thinking about angels and how they always had to say, don't be afraid. And I thought, why are they saying, don't be afraid? (laughs) You know, I've never felt at ease. If a man says, don't be afraid, that's cause for fear. (laughs) You know, like, Cheryl, don't be afraid. Why are you saying that? So I started thinking about those angels. I thought about how, like, the ones in heaven have those six wings. I'm like, I don't want to see any six-winged creature coming into here. This room? This room isn't big enough. And what if it's just a wing that comes in and is flapping back and forth? And I started thinking about angels coming into my room. Then I wasn't scared of burglars or the dead people in the dirt cellar. I was scared of angels. So I went running back to Chuck and said, I don't want an angel. I don't want an angel. I don't want any angels coming in my room. So then Chuck took his hand, he placed it on my head, and he said, Lord, let Cheryl see, not an angel, but your hand with her. (laughs) Well, that satisfied till I got into my bed, started thinking about how the span of God made the universe, started thinking about this huge hand coming into my room, And I started getting so scared again, I jumped out of bed before the hand could get me, ran down the stairs, went to Chuck and said, I don't want to see a hand, I don't want to see an angel. He grabbed me by the shoulders and began to pray, God, let mom and dad come home now. (laughs) So angels are scary. And this angel is before her, but there's no need for fear because she has God's grace and God's favor. What makes others afraid is a comfort and a joy and a treasure to Mary. Secondly, she is going to be the one who will carry and birth God's own son, the Messiah. The angel said, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Oh, there is so much to ponder and treasure here. Don't you know that Mary rehearsed those words over and over I'm going to conceive. I'm going to have a son. His name will be Jesus, which means God is salvation. And this son is going to be very great. And he's the son of the most high God. And he'll be in me, in my womb. And Yahweh will give him the throne of David, my ancient ancestor. You mean the tribe of David out of the root of Jesse, one will arise again and the Davidic dynasty will be back and my child will reign forever and ever and ever. Oh, she thought about those again and again and again, just like you do when you receive good news. There is nothing like favorable news, like those, those messages that people have given us, like, I just have to tell you, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me? Jesus loves me? Those, those things, maybe you heard it in a sermon, or maybe somebody came up to you, and you just want to think about this. You're like, I need to be alone. I got to process this. This is overwhelming, but it's good, But it's overwhelming, but it's good, but it's overwhelming. (laughs) I need some time alone. Mary then asked, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. This is not a question of unbelief like Zachariah. Like, right, I've been praying that prayer for years. Nope. This is a question of how can I cooperate with you? What do you want of me? What can I do? This is like, How can we work together? What's my part in all of this? The angel outlines the plan. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Oh, here is more to ponder. The Father, God is going to overshadow me the holy spirit is going to fill me and what develops within me will be the very son of god the angel then told mary about the work that he was that god was doing through her barren and aged cousin elizabeth saying for nothing is impossible with God. Isn't there so much to ponder right there? So much. Mary's response was, can I paraphrase? Let's get going. (laughs) Bring it on. So be it. I am in. I am fully committed. It's the amen. So be it. It is in Mary's time with Elizabeth that we then get a glimpse into this treasury that she had begun to store in her heart. And it happens when she breaks forth into song. You see, Mary's heart was so filled up with all that God had said With the presence of Jesus now dwelling within her, having been overshadowed by the Father, having been filled with the Spirit. She is so full. Her treasury is overflowing. And now she's going to pour out from that treasury to Elizabeth. She's so full now, seeing it's begun. Everything God said is true. Elizabeth, my aged cousin who was called Baron, is going to have a child. A child, and they're going to name him John. And no doubt she heard the testimony of Elizabeth because Zechariah couldn't talk about how the angel had appeared to him in the temple at the hour of prayer and those prayers that they thought had been unheard and neglected by God had been heard, and a plan was working out with God, and it was all coming to life, all coming to earth. And Mary's heart overflows, and she begins my soul magnifies the Lord. I'm so full. God is my priority. I just want to talk about God. I just want to bring him out of the open. I just want to tell you about God. I can see him. I can hear him. I just want to tell you about God. And she says, oh, how my spirit praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. See, Mary's praise cannot be contained as it pours forth. She is talking about herself and her relationship with God. This is what God has done for me personally. But then she's going to go on and talk about what God has done and is doing, beginning with who God is. And so I'm going to quote the rest of the Magnificat from the message because I love the clarity of Mary's song. What God has done for me will never be forgotten The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others, his mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. Then Mary talks about the work of the Lord. He bared his arm and showed his strength, scattered the bluffing braggarts. Love that. He knocked tyrants off their high horses. Love that. Pulled victims out of the mud, yes. The starving poor sat down to a banquet and the callous rich were left out in the cold. Mary's treasury continues as she talks about the faithfulness of all God's promises. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. This is the treasury of Mary's heart, and it's overflowing. And what we realize that Mary was treasuring who God was to her, what he had promised her, what God has done, and the person of God, and the promises that God keeps, the promises of the Lord. Then as all the events that the Lord spoke to her at the Annunciation, began to unfold in tremendous ways. The birth of Jesus, the testimony of shepherds, visits by kings from the East and their testimony and their gifts, the prophecy of Simeon at the temple, the praise of Anna, the wisdom of the 12-year-old Jesus as he spoke with the elders in the temple, the wedding at Cana, the cross, the upper room, these became part of the treasury of Mary's heart. I'm sure this was not the only song she wrote or sang. But I want to ask you, what's in your heart this Christmas? What, what's, what comes out when push comes to shove? You know, Mary was being taxed. Isn't it interesting that we get our tax bill for our houses in November, right before Christmas? They're due December 10th. And then we get the other tax bill right around Easter. Talk about a conspiracy theory. <laughs> when push comes to shove, what comes out of your heart? When there are no parking places at the mall or at work, what comes out of your heart? Hallelujah. When the item you are planning on getting for someone is backordered, what comes out of your heart? Glory. Glory. When you can't find your favorite Christmas ornament because it's actually broken and was thrown away the year before, what comes out of your heart? Not that I've ever had that experience. When your Christmas grandma's special recipe rolls do not rise, what comes out of your heart? When you don't have enough money to pay for your presents, what comes out of your heart? When somebody looks at your present and says, not this, even though she's eight, what comes out of your heart? And what do you continue to remember, even though she's 42? When you feel all alone and forgotten, neglected, what comes out of your heart? What will come out of your heart this Christmas? Because God always tests our hearts to show what's in them. He doesn't test them that he might condemn us, but that he might say, oh, my child, do you really want that in your heart? I have so many treasures to give you. Do you really want that in your heart? Ashes or a treasure? Diamonds or debts? Which one do you want in your heart? F.B. Meyer, a preacher in England during the 1800s, famously said that people spend too much time trying to drive out the old and bad thoughts out of their heart instead of overwhelming their hearts and minds with all the good work and good word of the Lord. You see, you can begin to fill your treasury right now. As my dad used to say, don't try to drive the darkness out. You just Turn on the light. I'm so glad some of you knew. You just turn on the light. Just bring the light of Christ into your heart and let him begin to start the treasury. You see, just as Mary conceived the child, this is how you received Jesus. The Father overshadowed you. The Holy Spirit filled you. And Jesus took up residency in your heart. And now he wants to fill your heart with the treasury. It's time to start a new collection, to start building up the treasury of God's word, God's work, God's faithfulness, and God's promises in your heart. It's time to start taking mental snapshots of all the good things that God has spoken, fulfilled, and promised you personally, promised to his people, and promised to his creation. As monumental as the first coming of the Lord was with the angelic announcement, his second coming, he will be with the angels and coming with the clouds of heaven, and it will be much more spectacular than the first, and it won't just be shepherds that witness it. So it's time to fill the treasury of your heart so that. When push comes to shove, a song of praise will burst forth, just as it did with Mary. Let's pray. Father, as we have this moment to ponder, I pray that we would willingly offer to you all the junk, all the hoarding of our heart, all the things that just don't belong. In our heart, Father, all the things that you long to remove from our heart, all the bitterness, all the anger, all the frustration, all the unforgiveness, all the what's wrong in the world, and that you would fill our hearts with the treasury of Jesus. Just fill it with Jesus and all he has done for us and all he is. Fill it with your goodness and with all your promises so that when push comes to shove or there's no push at all, our hearts just have to burst forth in praise over your goodness, your greatness, and your fulfilled promises to each of us. Lord, as our greatest present this Christmas, fill our hearts with treasury in Jesus' name. Amen.